So welcome to DevCast. I'm John Janik. I'm the Chief Technologist here at Dev. And joining me today is Adam D'Angelo, the Senior Director of uh, Technology and, and Learning here at Dev. And we've got a great show packed, uh, packed full of content for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, procurement and innovations in procurement. So I thought it would be a good idea. You know, there's a lot of great things happening in procurement today, right? And I thought it'd be a really good idea to kind of start a conversation around what does it mean? So the, the National Contract Management Association is having their big conference the last uh, today and tomorrow. And then last week, Acquisition X was down uh, somewhere in the South. I can't remember exactly where, but we're having all these great conversations around procurement right now. And so it seemed like really timely and an opportunity to talk a little bit about what's happening at procurement that we see in dev and that and the things that we're uh, interacting with and, and are involved with. And I thought it'd be a good idea to start with a little bit of discussion with Adam about the Reverse Industry Day. Now, Adam, you just came off of a Reverse Industry Day with DHS, right? That's right. DHS was hosting uh, their DHS RID, uh, RID Reverse Industry Day. Uh, it was an opportunity for some contractors and industry folks to get up, uh, be part of a panel discussion, or in my case, I was actually on are performing in a skit that we wrote um, to demonstrate the what the procurement process looks like um, in one of these more um, forward-leaning procurement activities uh, with tech demos, videos, those sorts of things. Oh, so, a whole skit, right? That's pretty skit. amazing. So, yeah. so what is a reverse? So let's start with the basics. In like, what is a reverse industry day? I think I think a lot of folks in government contracting <laughs> know what an industry day is, which is where we bring in a whole bunch of companies and they can meet with the government clients. But what's What's the reverse industry day and, and why does it matter? Sure. Uh, well, the reverse industry day is really just flipping the table. You know, in that industry day, it's usually um, our government counterparts um, sitting at that table, uh, presenting out to us, answering our questions. Um, this reverse industry day was exactly the opposite. We got to sit at the table. We got to tell them the things that were on our minds in terms of um, issues with procurement or the things that are good with them. Um, and we got to answer their question. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, why is it important? Well, you know, procurement is a two-way street, right? You know, they're looking to buy services. We're looking to sell services and, and um, make good on the contracts they put out there. So I think there's a lot of value in them listening to our feedback about what's working, what's not working, mm. in our opinion, and creating dialogue there. Because through that dialogue, we'll be able to create change and hopefully um, modernize and improve the procurement process. Yeah, very cool. So was this your first reverse day or have, have you been involved with them before? Uh, this is my first reverse industry day. Yeah, do yeah. you think it's something that other agencies should pick up on? Absolutely, I mean, I, you know, I think the more touch points that we have between government and industry, the better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it shouldn't just be around the actual delivery on a contract, it should be outside of that too and talking about, hey, what's your, where's your organization going? What are the best um, procurement options that you have to get you uh, the tools and teams that you need? So Yeah, so it's, it seems like in a lot of industry days, we, we tend to kind of talk about it in the context of, like you said, care procurement. What's coming up, right? How much is it going to be from a dollar value perspective? They tend up being like almost these big de business development conversations. It sounds like in, in, in a reverse industry day, you're, you're already in the contract. You're already delivering on the work. So, so why don't you like, give me a couple, you said you were sitting on a couple of the panels, right? Why don't you give me a couple of examples of what did you actually do in that reverse industry day that added value that gave something back to the, to the government community? Sure. Um, you know, and I'll start with why I think this particular reverse industry day topic, which was 
show me, don't tell me, mm-hmm. uh, is so important. I think the procurement concept is changing down here as opposed to just writing uh, 25, 35, 50-page written proposals with a technical and management volume. Uh, the government is now looking a little bit more towards showing them uh, what kind of value you bring, whether that's through uh, creating a video talking about your capabilities or actually writing code before you come in to perhaps do a technical demonstration in front of them Mm -hmm. um, or just doing more of a traditional oral style approach. But there's definitely a lean in that direction. Mm. Um, And really, they just want to hear what's that like from our perspective. So for our topic, our skit, um, we kind of mocked up a a draft RFP Mm -hmm. and we threw everything under the sun at it, right? We said there are orals and technical coding challenges and a demonstration Blah, 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 blah. Um, and really just walk through, you know, the down select process and the thought process a contractor goes through at each stage of that procurement, right? Um, mm-hmm. Being able to know if you've been selected for the next phase is critically important because we, if we have not, we could actually stop working on it, saving us money in the process and actually allowing us to work on something where we might have the chance of helping our government customer should, should we win. So it was really about us educating the government about how costly some of these things are, mm, yeah. right? You know, down here, we're all geared as contractors towards writing written proposals um, to respond to an RFP. But many of us aren't staffed specifically to be doing these technical demonstrations, which I don't think the government realized how time intensive and labor intensive they were. So that was a big part of our message or my message, especially saying, look, we, we can't be, you know, throwing all of our technical folks at this one, they're all billable right now, probably working for you today. So you're really just taking money out of your own pocket, right? Um, to be able to do big technical demonstrations. Uh, but two, you know, these projects are huge that you're asking for. I mean, you're asking for months of work to be done in maybe a two week period. So it's very difficult and draining on not just us as a company, but on individuals. And we were trying to relay that information to them, uh, let them know that they should target what they're asking for mm-hmm. um don't ask for you know everything in the kitchen sink um because that's really not going to help them procure the services they need um think a little bit more about what you specifically need have good metrics on how you want to judge that mm-hmm. um and relay that information very clearly and concisely you know i think working with you know writing a statement of work or an rfp that your technical folks are going to deliver to rather than maybe a, 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 a folks with more soft skills um, that are creating a written proposal is very different, right? Technical yeah. folks require a different level, level of granularity and clarification. Um, and I can tell from past experience, you know, we've spun our wheels around things that might have been a little um, ambiguous. And uh, that's, that's a problem when you're trying to deliver a technical solution in a small amount of time. Yeah, code and prose don't really share a one-to-one relationship in a lot of cases, do they? No, not regularly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you think do you think the message was was heard? I mean, so 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 when I hear you say those things, I, I agree with you, right? So as somebody who's done contracting on the government side before I left government, it's I think it's very easy for government employees to to not have a lot of um a lot of I won't say empathy, but not really understand the context, right? Because, you know, most most government employees are centrally funded, most government employees are are looking at kind of mission delivery and, and they're willing to take whatever help they can get to get them to that destination. Right. And so a lot of the cases that, that they have to deal with, you know, being, being, uh, you know, being faced with decisions like, 
hey, how do we think through a ten or $15,000 investment on a tech challenge response is not something that even enters their mind, right? However, for a startup, a ten dollars or a $15,000 investment decision on whether or not to participate in a tech challenge can make a, a can make or break a, an organization just trying to get off the ground, right? That's that's money that could have been spent and effort that could have been spent somewhere else. So I, I guess my I'm very interested to hear, like, did you feel like that message was heard? Do you think that that when you were in that room talking about those things that the government folks there understood the pain that that all companies have to deal with? Even even if you're the biggest company on the block, right? If you're trying to make investment decisions on where you spend time, money, and energy, you know, it's gonna matter. On, on what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, right? Absolutely. I, and I do think the government was very, um, very, very keen to listen to us. They, yeah. they came up to me afterwards, um, had a great conversation with a number of folks about, oh, wow, we didn't know that, you know, these types of tasks take so many resources to complete. Um, you know, we weren't trying to get up there and be judgmental and tell them, well, this is exactly how you should run your procurements. It really wasn't about that. It was really about the education of what it looks like from our end. A day in the life, you know, when we're sitting in there making that bid decision or deciding, okay, should we release more money to continue going after Mm -hmm. this procurement? Um, Those were the decision points we wanted to walk them through and what's going on in our mind um, just to give them an awareness. And I I think it was very well received. That's cool. It's like a real retrospective for government, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, they, they don't know what it's like. Not not everybody on the government has been on the industry side. Yeah, you that's know, just, very true. I, I've never worked in government, so I don't know their perspective yep. as well, which is why going to a traditional industry day is all, always a powerful tool for us industry folks. Mm-hmm. We get to learn a little bit more about what's driving that organization. So I yeah. think, you know, getting to reverse the table was a lot of fun. And uh, I think everybody learned from yeah, it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Look, definitely the – so – I guess we'll have to look and see when the next one's on the schedule going to be. It sounds like there's definitely a trend there for, for trying to get more folks that are doing these, these kinds of activities in front of broader government groups, right? So we want to try and encourage that. We want to try and get more of those reverse industry days out there so that government at least can, can really see what the delivery looks like, right? Definitely. And, and again, I think you know, procurements are changing so much with these show-me-don't-tell-me types of procurements. Yeah. Um, and, and nobody has the right answer for how to do these. So right. I think as long as we're continuing to have these dialogues and conversation, um, especially at events like this reverse industry day, it's very powerful for, for the government and for the industry alike to feel like we're all moving in the right direction. Together. Yeah. Very so, cool. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So, uh, so I think that's, you know, we'll kind of leave the, the discussion about reverse industry days right there and we'll kind of continue our thread of procurement innovation and talk about something that's, that's really kind of fun for me, which is this idea of a new digital services procurement, um, training curriculum, basically this, this new designation, a, a digital information technology acquisition professional, right? So, uh, if you haven't heard about this, it's it's been in process now for gosh, I guess uh, almost a year now, right? So, the um, the program is designed. It's being piloted with uh, USDS and I think Defense Acquisitions University is doing some work with it and GSA, right? And they're all working together to kind of try and create um, a a training curriculum and a career path that really takes a contracting officer and empowers them with the knowledge, skills, and abilities necessary to really make smart digital procurement decisions, right? Because, you know, as as we just talked about with the Reverse Industry Day, digital procurement is a lot different than your traditional 
buying stuff off a shelf at 10,000 units that you would normally have. In fact, you know, this kind of reminds me of a conversation that was on that was on LinkedIn just recently with uh, Rush Sharma over at uh, Public Spend Forum, where he was saying that, you know, he's been finding that organizations are having a tough time scaling acquisitions. Scaling doesn't work anymore. And so you can't make these big, big procurements like you used to. They just don't work like they used to. So, so I'd be kind of curious. So, you know, obviously with your reverse industry day experience, that's been really great. You've had an opportunity to engage with the government, give them a little bit of feedback. Uh, have you had a chance to meet any of these new uh, DITAP professionals? And if you, if you haven't yet, like what would be your message to, to them as they're kind of coming to the table with, with new skills and abilities, um, new vehicles for procurement? Cause these, these professional tracks are supposed to teach them all the different tips and tricks on how to buy digital, right? How to buy new digital techniques. What would be your advice to them? Wow. That's a, that's, that's a big question. It is like, I just like to load it up yeah, there. Thanks for that. No. So I don't know if I've met any, anybody who's uh what are they called? Uh, the, the, the die tap, right? The, yeah, the D I T A P S, right? Okay. Die tap. Okay. Um, I don't know if I've met a die tap yet. Um, but if I were going to give them some advice, I would say um, it's similar advice to what we were giving out at Reverse Industry Day, right? It's if you are writing a procurement, if you were trying to procure digital services, yeah. make sure you're involving technical people in that conversation. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Um, make sure the language is correct. Make sure that you get a very true sense of what it really is to deliver, you know, what you need specifically to, to deliver on a set, set of work, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would also add that adding in your customer right? Is right. very important. So, so frequently we have these um, government agencies and their IT organizations mm -hmm. are running their procurement and not, not regularly, not always, um, but sometimes um, they forget about the customer. Right. And, and these, especially these show me, don't tell me, they don't always focus on how well a, a contractor may or may not understand the mission and what you're actually trying to deliver for the customer. Um, it's very strictly technical, mm, right? Yeah. Um, you know, one plus one equals two, but that's not always the case here in the federal space where you're working for, uh, you know, that end user who's on that mission side. Right. Um, sometimes understanding the nuance of that mission is even more important than the actual technical capabilities. So I would make sure that we try and don't lose sight of the customer yep. as we're trying to do these new digital procurements and change the way procurements are, are run. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's really, it's a really great point, right? It's, it's so important to remember that agile works because it's delivering value for the end user faster, right? right? And no matter how technically proficient you are, if you're not giving something of worth to the person who needs it, doesn't matter, right? That's absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, I, I remember helping to prove out, uh, you know, a continuous integration, continuous deployment, a DevOps pipeline a few years ago mm -hmm. for one of our customers. And um, th this was the, the end user customer, not the OIT shop, right? So we're going over there, we're talking to them and we're saying what all this work is we're putting in to build out this Jenkins pipeline and all this automated testing. And, oh, it's going to take us a couple of weeks to put this together, you know, two sprints. And they're like, okay, so, you know, what's in it for us at the end of this? <laughs> well, specifically nothing, right? right? It's not going to actually give you any new features. Right. But what it will do is enable us to deliver features, more, you know, more rapidly right. for you with a greater level of confidence and test coverage, those sorts of things. But that doesn't always equal the the shiny sort of, um, you know, the, the shininess of a feature right. uh, that they've been wanting for a long time. So it, 
selling this to the mission side is very important as well because it's not mm-hmm. just technology for the sake of technology, right? right? It is all about delivering for the mission and how do we get them engaged in this process. Yeah, and, ex- and accelerating that delivery too, right? Because Absolutely. I think, you know, you, you, you see this problem a lot where, where you, we end up spending a lot of time and effort building technical components that can deliver very quickly, right? To the tune of like two or three iterations a day in some cases, if we wanted to go there, but then change control or other governance components come, come into play. I think we're, we're going to try and spend some time in a future podcast talking a little bit about Agile and what that looks like. But from a procurement perspective, it's important to keep in mind that we're trying to drive value, right? And so those conversations don't necessarily need to go down a rabbit hole on technical, but they do need to be user-focused, right? They need to be very, very much focused on how do we add value to the mission. Absolutely. Yeah. Value is the, the main thing that we're trying to deliver and the government should be trying to procure. Okay. So, um, so this seems like a really good opportunity to talk about one kind of last big thing that, that I, I've seen kind of coming up in the, in the innovation uh, in, in procurement space, which is something that I'm just absolutely in love with. Now, a lot of folks don't know this about me, but I was a, I was a, a contracting officer at one point in my career, and I had a warrant as dangerous as that was. And one of the things that really excited me about a presentation I saw recently was a concept that, that he was calling that this was Brent Maravilla out of USDS. He's now with Rebellion Defense, but he was pointing out that, um, in fact, I think you know Jonathan Mostowski, right? So right. he and Jonathan are working together at Rebellion now. And one of the things they were talking about was this idea of co-designed procurement, which is really amazing to me, right? Because we talk about this in terms of, we always talk in DevSecOps about shift left, shift mm-hmm. left, right? Mm-hmm. Get it as early in the process as you can. And what's really amazing is that is that co-designed procurement takes this idea of procurement and shift left to like the ultimate extreme, which is let's bring the vendors in before we've even written an RFP. And so uh, I had an opportunity to see this at the latest uh, Agile Government Leaders Summit uh, that was just a few weeks ago. And I got to say, I'm super excited about it because I think when we talk about how do we deliver value, how do we deliver better, how do we deliver more frequently, a lot of this comes to your point about how do we connect in the human-centered design and design objectives and what we're actually trying to put on the table with those technical constraints that we have and bring them together in a realistic way. And we can do so much work, right? I, and I know you've worked on a lot of contracts over the years, and, I, and I've been working in and out of government for a long time too. We spend so much time and energy just spinning our wheels on like, well, what does the environment look like? Right. And understanding what the environment look like looks like. And you can imagine that if we had the opportunity to have those conversations before the proposal ever even got put together, it could fundamentally change how much uh, how much more value we can drive out of a, a proposal response. Right. We can really get in there and and tell the government that this is what you need. We know because we were participating or a company that we trust was participating. And now we can build out um, some of what we're doing. So, you know, I've, I've been really very much enamored of some of this stuff. I'm kind of curious if, if you've got some highlights or things that you've seen that have been really, really good and that, you know, you'd like to kind of point out as, as like leading practices, right? We talk Mm. about what's really interesting. We talk about best practices all the time. And I heard this phrase used recently and I just fell in love with it, which is this idea of a leading practice. Best practices are things that have become normalized 
And I think if there's a lesson that I've learned over the past few years, it's that, you know, we've entered a point in time where nothing should be considered normalized and we should always be pushing for contextually driven, user driven value, right? And that kind of comes down to this idea that we should always be striving for leading practices. How do we lead in this discussion? How do we participate? So I'm curious, like, so those, so, so code design procurement is just something I'm absolutely in love with. What have you saw? seen recently that that you thought was just amazing well you know i I can't necessarily say anything stands out as amazing to me (laughs) um but i will say that some of the changes in procurement strategies are very interesting especially as it engages technical folks right i think we are less capable um or interested frankly in writing a a proposal response and way more interested in showing you what our capabilities are right so these show me, don't tell me challenges are fantastic. We love writing code. Um, we love coming in and performing a kind of a technical demonstration mm-hmm. where maybe we're working on stories kind of in an agile format, mm-hmm. um, delivering code, deploying code. That's fantastic. We yeah. love doing that. I think it's a great way for us to show off what we're capable of as opposed to writing to it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in the government as well to see, oh, how does this company, how does this team typically operate and how do they act? I think there's a lot of value in mm-hmm. this for the government. The one area that mm-hmm. I'm still unclear about, and I think a lot of folks are, is how do you actually ensure that that team or a subset of that team mm-hmm. who's in that technical challenge with you is, is, is the team that actually comes in to deliver should you win? Oh, interesting. Um, there's some really interesting things that always happen, right? You might name a, a key personnel on, on a, you know, a technical challenge, and you know, if they go through a couple of weeks then of evaluating mm-hmm. everybody's challenge. And then perhaps there's um, uh, somebody contests, you know, the the Mm -hmm. victory, you know, and months could go by, right? So that key personnel, they might already be on a a new project or maybe they even left and they're at a different company, right? Wow. So, you know, how do you, as the the government, Mm -hmm. you know, ensure that the folks who you're seeing that room then kind of come and deliver for you as opposed to just a set of, you know, randomly selected folks who might be your top tier talent, but they're all spoken for on other contracts, right? Yeah. So I th- so I think there's an interesting conversation to be had around how do you almost buy a team of individuals yeah. to come do that work for you. Um, it's a very tough for us as organizations because we don't have a big bench of individuals, right? Yep. Our, our best folks are out there delivering today. Yeah. So you know to pull them off of one contract to come to this contract means you know you're 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 pulling from another contract perhaps within your own agency or yeah. you know. So we have, we have to figure that out as a team and I'm not sure we have an answer to that yet. That's a lot of, and there's a lot of risk management there too, right? Because I mean, not only there's, yeah, there's, there's a whole risk management discussion. I think, you know, I think that's something we should probably come back to in a future episode only because there's, it sounds like there's just a a lot to unpack there. I think there's a lot that can be talked about, not only, not only from the perspective of, you know, how, how do you answer that question? You know, you could argue in some ways it's always easy to innovate because so few people do it. When you get to the nuts and bolts of it, like the real, the real core of it, which is this, okay, when we have established practices and we want to deal with how we do things and we bring a team to the table, how do we ensure that that team then stays consistent throughout the process and funded and together, right? Because there's going to be simple inertia that's going to pull those people apart, right? It takes, it takes effort to keep people together. It's just a basic, it's a basic uh, fact of teamwork in today's society. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially down here in this area, I mean, it's, uh, you know, commuting changes everything. And, right. and uh, yeah, I mean, 
customer engagements all last varying diff amounts of time. So it's yeah. hard to keep a team together. Okay. So I think uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to sign off for for now. And we've talked about a lot of great things happening in procurement and innovation. And when we come back, we'll do more episodes in the future and look forward to hearing from everybody. If you've got any comments or questions, you can always reach us uh, through the DevCast uh, website. So long. So long.